Hello, this is Gregory Bloom and Chef Jackson Lamb in studio here at Food Chat. We're your hosts for the day for the next episode of Food Chat. What is Food Chat? Food Chat is about reconnecting you to your food and is on every Wednesday here at 12.30 p.m. here at 560 KLZ. So spend your lunch hour with us every Wednesday and learn about food production, including farming, ranching, processing, and basically all things involved in getting food from the field to your plate, including the processing that happens in between. Uh, all summer long, we'll be interviewing farmers, ranchers, food processing companies, restaurant owners, dietitians, all kinds of stakeholders in the food business. And you can find past episodes of Food Chat at www.foodchat.us, foodchat.us. And while you're there, sign up at the bottom of the home screen for our newsletter where we can send you information about uh, the newest episodes of Food Chat, but also we be, we'll give away steaks. We give away steaks every month and we give away gift certificates to local restaurants that are featured on our website of Food Chat. So today, Chef Jackson, welcome to the studio. It's a pleasure to be here, Greg. Great to see you again, and we're going to be talking about cheese today. Cheese. So, I mean, what a big topic. I mean, there's all kind. I don't know how many. Okay, how many kinds of cheeses are there? Uh, you were totally unprepared for this question, but what do you think? How many kinds of cheese are there? Oh, when we really look at it, at it from an international perspective, it's. I couldn't put a number on it. Thousands. thousands. I'd say thousands. Yeah. Right. You know, even at. Uh, some of your local supermarkets, some of the displays that they have are absolutely amazing. International cheeses from every country you can imagine. Right. And there's lots of different varieties of cheese. There's soft cheeses and hard cheeses and cheese that uh, you're going to put on a taco and cheese that you're going to just eat with a glass of good wine, right? That is true. You know, often we just get stuck on one type of cheese. Uh, American cheese, Swiss cheese, cheddar cheese, and we don't deviate from that at all. But uh, to go after a triple cream brie cheese, mm. it'll melt in your mouth with a nice acidic Sauvignon Blanc. Nice. That cuts the cream right out of your mouth. What a wine and cheese pairing that is. And then cleanse your palate with a couple of fresh grapes. Right. That's a great way to... Start the evening. Now, most cheese, I think, that we're used to eating is made from cow's milk, as we all know. But there are some great cheeses made out of goat's milk. And when I grew up on, a, on the farm in Brighton as a kid, we had goats. We had Daffy the goat, and she was a prolific milk-producing animal. So we had to do something with all that milk, so we made cheese. And it was delicious, actually. In fact, I preferred goat cheese over goat milk. But do you like goat cheese? Well, I'll tell you, when we really look at the sources of cheese, and I, I have a lecture all about this, you know, there's cow's milk, there's sheep's milk, and there's goat's milk. Right. Then we've got some people that are lactose intolerant. Right. Typically, they're only lactose intolerant to cow's milk, mm. but they don't realize that. Ah. So um, when we look at sheep's milk or we look at goat's um, uh, um, goat cheese, if you will, or mm -hmm. goat's milk, uh, two great alternative sources. But, you know, a lot of people think that goat cheese has a, has a barnyardy flavor to right. it or, or something that's just, it, it's not like cheddar cheese. No, it's not like cheddar cheese at all. Uh, when we look at uh, cheeses made from sheep's milk, I think that tends to be like the Reggiano Parmesan types of cheeses. Mm -hmm. So, again, for the people that are lactose intolerant, the cheddars and the Swisses, those are cow's milk. 
you know, get away from those standard cheeses. Take a look at those cheeses that are made from sheep's milk or goat's milk, and you might find that you could be a cheese lover. Right. Now, last week we talked a little bit about, uh, during the show, uh, of uh, Colorado-made wines and the uh, new kinds of grapes that we're seeing used for making wine in Colorado that are tolerant for this cold climate, high altitude wine. We talked about that last week, but we didn't talk about cheese. So when you're teaching your wine class at Metropolitan State University, uh, do you talk about cheeses? And then what kind of cheeses would you recommend? Can you, oh, here's a question. Can you serve goat cheese with wine? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, in my class, every wine we, we, we taste or that we discuss there's all, we always finish up with a, a wine and food pairing question. Okay. And so, you know, quite often I'll have a, maybe five students a week do research on a specific uh, type of wine, a uh, brand name of wine, this, this chateau. And they'll go to the uh, website, they'll look up the, uh, the winemaker, w- what the location is, what the winemaker's notes are, mm. how the wine was actually made. And then often on those websites, the winemaker has... Uh, wine and food pairing suggestions. I see. And so so that is a constant source of discussion in my classes because I think that's why a lot of people want to take a class called Wine Fundamentals because they want to know more about how to pair wines with food. Right. And we have an event coming up that we talked about a few weeks ago in September that uh, is being put on during the Labor Day weekend, I think at the Tivoli Quad or actually at MSU. That's a wine event put on by the, it's the Colorado Restaurant Association, I believe, right? Uh, that entire week, it's the Denver Food and Wine Classic put on by the <clears throat> Colorado Restaurant Foundation. We had uh, Denise Mickelson on um, one or two shows ago. And, uh, yeah, that is, uh, we've got a, a wine. Well, I'll tell you what, on Thursday, September 8th, we are hosting the Riedel Wine Seminar. Riedel makes uh, crystal wine glasses, and they have a theory that... A different shape of glass is for a different type of varietal. So that they have specifically designed a Chardonnay glass, a Cabernet glass, a Pinot Noir glass. And they feel that there is a science behind the shape of the glass and the varietal that goes in there. That's interesting. Well, and part of that education is they'll say, okay, let's put this wine in this glass. Okay, now move it over to this glass, see if it changes the way you smell it, and it does. So, uh, but again, that whole week, uh, the Denver Food and Wine uh, uh, people are, they've got an event on Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, and then Saturday night is the big uh, Denver Food and Wine Classic on the Tivoli Quad, uh, which will be about 60 restaurants, and I believe 600 wineries are represented so it's going to be a fantastic event. We'll talk more about that in the coming weeks, and we'll put the link to uh, sign up for that uh, wine class uh, on the Food Chat website. And people really do need to register right away, though, because it's limited to a certain number of people, and it's coming up. So, hey, let's uh, just switch gears and bring on as guests uh, two people from Colorado that I know well. I've done food shows with them. Um, in different parts of the country, uh, Gabriel and Nelson Robles are owners of Queso Campesino, and they make cheese. Uh, hey, uh, Nelson and Gabriel, welcome to the show. Hey, Greg, how you doing? Doing we good. Appreciate you having us on. Yeah, good thanks morning. for thanks for being on. And I just wanted to, uh, you know, have you on. And Chef Jackson and I are going to have some questions for you, but we really want to, um, you know, introduce our listeners to your company and what you do. So. Uh, 
I'll let Jackson start off with the first question. Well, I'll, I'm delighted to do so. Nelson, welcome to the show. Um, so now, Nelson, uh, you know, why did you decide to get into the cheese business? You're, you're the younger half here. So, you know, why did you decide to follow your dad's footsteps? Well, I mean, I, it was something kind of that I was, uh, Gabriel was the one who had the idea of creating an authentic Mexican-style cheese, wanting to kind of reach the same taste for Mexico, grandma, what grandma was making in the kitchen, you know, kind of get that authentic feel. And I followed along with kind of more, how do I say this? I was kind of pushed into doing it in a family business, but something that I fell in love with eventually, you know, and I ended up liking as, the, as I grew in the business, worked in sales, learned more about the product, and getting to know people in the market and networking was really key for me to really enjoy in this process. And that's how I got involved. But Gabriel, uh, I'll hand it over to you on why you got involved with making cheese. <laughs> well, uh, you know, how do, how do you, you want to, uh, how much time or how, uh, well, we've got about, uh, Gabe, we got about 12 minutes. I didn't mean to cut you off, sorry. But we have about 12 minutes to talk to you. So maybe you could explain just a little bit about your company. I know you started back in 1977, and I've got to know your product line from doing food shows with you around the country side by side. But uh, tell us a little bit about your company and then why you why you got in the cheese business. You know, why not, why not any other business? Why cheese specifically? Well, I, I'm going to try to make a long story short um, due to time and the English barrier part of it, but uh, being uh, growing up on the farm back in Mexico, you know, from owning cows to making a little bit of cheese from from ten cows at a time, you know, it was very very small operation, mom and dad operation, and that's how we learned the, the business. When the opportunity came to be in Brush, Colorado, there was three people that I met. Trying to the, the whole story is on www.quesocampesino.com for anybody who wants to uh, learn more details. But it was back in 1996 when things got started on a small creamery place in Brush, Colorado. Three individuals wanted to make Mexican cheese over there, and they got together and got her, got the place uh, lined up in compliance with the state to being able to bring in cheese and uh, milk and process it, turn it into a cheese. I became involved towards the end of uh, 2000, and I bought into one-third of the company when the guy decided to move on and do some other things. So I bought into nothing but a problem. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, because turning milk into cheese, it was difficult, but uh, the plant was there, so... I thought uh, that if other people were able to do it, we could do it too, and we could do with the uh, emphasis on quality in, instead of a price and so forth. So uh, we did make cheese for uh, several months. Things went south, and then we went out and uh, uh, co-packed with many people throughout the United States, even in Mexico, for about 12 years. How, it's how long it took us to build the market. Then we we be, we came back to, in 2011, uh, 2011. We bought a bigger plant over in Brush, bigger building over in Brush, Colorado, because the dream has grown to a bigger dream. So uh, it took us four or five years to refurbish a building, and then we start making uh, again in Brush, Colorado, 
seven different type of cheeses of the 13 that we make, and we're still co-packing from other people, things that we cannot do. But uh, long story short, it's kind of uh, how we put ourselves in the map, always thinking in quality, thinking on authentic flavors, and paying the price. I mean, we pay our dues to put ourselves in the map. That's an that's a great story, Gabriel. You know, Gabriel, you're out in Brush, Colorado. How about distribution? How did how does your product get around the country? It's it's a it's a very difficult task because you know you got to prove yourself time after time after time, showing people that you have a good product, and you also have to build your distribution with your partners, with your distributors, help them. Uh, bring the customer on, convince the end user customer, and then hand it over to a distributor. That's how we got to start with local distributors. They have done a good job because for us, logistically, it would have been impossible to put trucks throughout the state, throughout the region. So then Nelson, when Nelson came along, really things took off because they went to the Anglo side of the business, which are very, very receptive if you got the quality that they expect, and that's how we put ourselves in the map slowly. You know, it has not been easy. Gabriel, I used to sell cheese for uh, Dairy Farmers of America, and uh, they're they're big national company, and they buy a lot of milk and turn it into mostly cheddar cheese. So I've been in some big cheese plants that make cheddar cheese, and then I grew up on a farm making goat's cheese. But for people that don't know how to make cheese probably most of our listeners have never made their own cheese would you tell us how cheese is made and then how is your cheese different from other cheeses well it's going to go back to the recipe you know most people are going to say cheese is cheese but when you have a different recipe everything starts with with fresh milk from the local farms around brush and the milk comes in from DFA, for that matter, so, you know, from the big co-ops and, and so forth. And the first thing you got to make sure is you have a, a non-hormone milk and you check it when it comes into to your plant. That's, uh, that's how you get good milk, good source. Then it goes into our own baths or pasteurization uh, into our own baths into the coagulation with the ingredients and flavors that the recipe calls for. We currently do about seven different types of cheeses in the plant and brush. Um, we brought some experts from Mexico. Uh, it's not the same thing when you do, you know, your local or, or your own cow's milk uh, versus a big semi-load of, of, of milk, you know, it's 8,000 gallons at a time. It, it's a lot of milk. Uh, so you turn it into uh, your original recipe, and you portion it. You start out with 40-pound blocks or 50-pound wheels, and then you go portion it. It's, it, it will be kind of difficult for me to explain temperatures, you know, pasteurization and all that. I, I have to leave that to the people's imagination, you know, how do you pasteurize milk and how do you coagulate it, how you turn it into a uh, liquid, into a solid a piece of cheese, and so, so you would have to, you would have to almost have to bring people on to show them how it's done. Okay, that sounds great. Um, so, uh, 
as we take a look at your products, you know, where can our listeners find these products? Are there specific stores on the front range where we can direct them? One of, uh, this is where I, I, I can help you out with. Uh, I think one of our bigger clients are definitely going to be your King Supers grocery stores, your Save-A-Lot. Uh, we are in a few uh, Whole Foods, but definitely King Supers, uh, Save-A-Lot, anywhere that has a deli section pretty much, or your small local carniceria, Mexican type style market, Hispanic style restaurant is where you're going to be able to see it. Restaurants are of use, but right there would be, and any kind of food service distributor, like I mentioned, would be Cisco, your Shamrocks, uh, Restaurant Depot. If you have a lunch truck or you are a restaurant operator, you could definitely find our products there. And we've done a pretty good job in the market and telling them why going based off of Gabriel White. I wanted to make sure we told the story of Queso Campesino when you see it there. It really literally stands for the country cheese. So you're looking for that style of cheese, that on the table for the Campesino really. That's, that's, that's the brand recognition that we're pushing. It's uh, something that, that, that customers can look at and get that authentic feel for. Yeah, I want people to know when they see that uh, Queso Campesino uh, logo, it's a nice triangular logo with a, looks like a Holstein cow on the top. Queso Campesino, queso, obviously cheese, uh, Campesino farmer or ranch, right, in Spanish, is that what that, am I right? Yes, correct. And then, uh, what I know you make a lot of Mexican cheeses, but Nelson, tell us, uh, like, what are your top three cheeses in sales by volume? It would be, I would start out with our queso fresco, which is the niche. It's always going to be your anchor cheese. It's what everybody looks for. It's the fresh style cheese. I would kind of, uh, I would kind of, uh, if I would compare it to a product, would be maybe like a, a fresh, uh, I wouldn't say necessarily mozzarella, but it has the same feel, but it's more crumbly, a little drier still, fresh cheese, crumbly. It's not really, melting. It's not melting. It's really smooth in flavor. So that's probably our more popular one because it really enhances any type of, if it goes on your salads, on your beans, anything as a topping. Uh, then I would go next to to our next more popular one would be our queso cotija, which is completely the opposite of what your fresco is. This is a dry, harder aged cheese. It has a, it, it really, it really puts a punch into your, into your, into your dish. It's salty. So you're really going to feel it. I would consider, and when I when I tell people what I would compare that one to, is something to a Parmesan. Not exactly a Parmesan, but it's, it, in the texture, it is. It's really strong, and the, fla- and the flavor profile you get out of it, it's a little salty. Then from there, I would go down to our Queso Oaxaca, which is this. This is this is this is our fun product. It's uh, it's our it's our Oaxaca ball. It's a braid that's really it's hand handmade. You you pull a braid a braid of cheese and you roll it into a ball. And it's similar to a string cheese, so you could really, really get that. It has a nice, thick mouth to it. What I would tell customers that they look at Oaxaca and they're interested in trying it, do it on a sandwich, on a burger, because when you get that melt out of it, it really melts over your ingredients. It doesn't really have that thin melt like our other products. It could be a quesadilla that are like really melts into your ingredients. Instead, this will be right over your ingredients, like a, a, a torta, a, a, a sandwich, a grilled cheese, something similar to that. So those would be our top three items. Okay. Nelson, I love that uh, description. I have been to Oaxaca five times. And, uh, you know, there are a few open-air markets that you can go to, and you can see the Mexican women making the cheese. And they're pulling it and rolling it and pulling it and rolling it. And it is quite the thing to see. And, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's like a fresh string cheese. Um, So... 
uh, that's one of my favorites as well. So I agree with you, Nelson. No, no, that's, I'm sure. You, I'm sure you've met. So you, you tasted some really wonderful dishes down in Oaxaca. As one of the epicenters of of flavor, Oaxaca has some of the best te- kitchen or, or recipes down in Mexico. That's really known for its food. So I'm, I'm glad to hear you went down there. Yeah, it really is considered the cultural cuisine capital of Mexico, and it's the birthplace of uh, El Presidente Número Uno, Benito Juarez. Ah, there we go. A <laughs> <laughs> little, little bit of history helps. It, yes. It, one, of, one of the things, uh, when when we make Oaxaca cheese uh, in an industrial way, uh, a little different than handmade, but down there they, they like to call it quesillo, or they call it, you know, criollo. They call it some different names to trying to differentiate itself from the next fonda. Uh, you know, same thing here. You know, every restaurant try to put their own their own mm-hmm. uh, thing so that they can differentiate themselves from others. But uh, it, it's it's pretty neat when when you get to know this thing. Yeah, you know, also Oaxaca. That's uh, uh, home of the Chopolines. The, uh, the fried crickets that we find uh, working their way into the Mexican cuisine of Oaxaca. I'm pretty sure they're not putting any of those in their cheese, though. I've tried a lot of your cheeses, and they're all delicious. But uh, I have a question for you. The, the favorite cheese that I like, and I'll ask uh, Nelson to tell me which cheese this is, is the one that you make that I can crumble into tiny little pieces and put over my uh, refried pinto beans, my Colorado Proud, Colorado Grown refried pinto beans. We did a whole episode on Colorado Proud beans a couple of weeks ago, but they're they're great for refried beans and then over enchiladas. And then also uh, one of my favorite things for uh, breakfast when I go to Mexico is the, the chiaquillas. So what, what cheese is that I'm talking about? It's going to be... If it's if it's gonna be your cotija, if it's the strong flavor one, I think you tried it. Cotija really enhances the flavor on your beans, especially. Or as I mentioned, it would be the fresco. Just but the fresco is more of a fresh, smoother flavor. So I'm thinking if you really had a kick out of it, it's gonna be the cotija because that really brings a nice, nice punch into your enchiladas, your chilaquiles, as you say, and your beans. So that's gonna be the that's gonna be the one I think is the, is the cotija. Okay, thank you. Very good. And whenever. And whenever you guys want, I, I mean, I'm glad to go take you some products. You guys can try it and give us your feedback in the future. I always like good positive feedback, and if for some reason it doesn't work out, give us that feedback as well. We're open to all of it. Well, I've had all your time. cheeses many times because we've done several food shows together around the country, and for whatever reason, they always put me next to you, which I just love because I'm, I'm getting to enjoy your cheese all day long. So <laughs> I love your cheese. <laughs> Appreciate that. You know, Nelson, in trying to wrap things up here, you know, we're using that word artisan. So how do we define artisan when we're saying artisan cheeses? Artisan cheeses are pretty much made when it's, when, 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 when it's really handmade. Uh, people have their hands in the cheese. It's not made automated by a machine or nothing. It's not packed by a machine. It's, all of our products are pretty much, they, in some way or form, they are made by hand. All of our uh, all of our cheeses are packed by hand. The Oaxaca was a good explanation. If they roll it into a ball, stretching the stretching the cheese. Uh, all of our frescoes are hand packed, pressed into a mold. Our cotijas packed by hand. So all of it. And, and why is that important to us? I mean, I think you, you get to see the people really taking care of the product and seeing it when they're touching. They're actually touching the product, and you can really see the difference when it or feel the difference or taste the difference when something is artisan made than when it's made by machine because there's something about it that has a fresh flavor to it and it just seems more authentic in reality. Uh, That's 
that's my opinion, being around and trying all the products, and that's why we want to push that as the quality. That's the go-to. It's an artisan, authentic-style Mexican cheese, and and that's what artisan means. It's pretty much hand-packed. People put their hands on it. So, and we're glad to share. I mean, you could always look. Sometimes on our website, we have some kind of examples how it's done and how it's, how it's made. Yeah, your website has a lot of great information, and we're already out of time, so I'll just direct people to go there, quesocampesino.com, because they show all of their cheeses and how they're different from one another, where you can buy their cheeses. And I really would encourage our listeners to go in to their local store, uh, King Supers, or saves a lot of the other stores mentioned uh, on their website, and support your local cheese farmers. You know, these, these guys are local, and they're making some great cheese right here in Colorado, out of Colorado milk that comes out of Colorado dairy. So, so go local. Hey, thank you both so much for being on our show today i enjoyed having you enjoyed talking to you no we appreciate the invitation well we enjoyed it as well and I, and we appreciate both of you thank you very much great thanks guys appreciate thanks, it guys thank All you right. so jackson as we wrap up the show the cheese episode there's a lot we didn't get to talk about you know today we're talking about primarily cheese made from cow's milk sure. Me- mexican style cheeses which are just wonderful you go to any mexican restaurant you're going to enjoy some of their cheese they sell a lot of their cheese into food service a lot of chefs are supporting local and you're going to probably most often people are going to enjoy their cheese in a restaurant they're not even going to know where it comes from but uh, we'll have to have another episode on maybe the hard cheeses and and uh, sheep's cheese and uh, cheese made from goats that would pair with wine right uh, absolutely and there's plenty of them out there yeah, right. So thanks, Chef Jackson, for joining us for the show today. And I hope that everyone gets to go out and enjoy some Colorado-made cheese from Queso Campesino. And uh, what should we say? Cheese on? Cheese off. Cheese off. Okay. Cheese on, cheese off. Enjoy the show. Thank you, Chef. And thank you, Greg. Today's episode of Food Chat is brought to you by Ranch. FreshMeats.com. RanchFreshMeats.com is a local Colorado-owned company owned by my family, and we find the best local meat products in the marketplace that we sell direct to restaurants and direct to consumers. And the majority of them come from family farms and ranches that we know personally. So right now everyone's trying to save money on groceries uh, with the high prices of everything. So if you go to ranchfreshmeats.com and sign up for the newsletter, you will get an email every Monday of things that we have on sale. And you know, it's very common that someone will call me and say, hey, Greg, one of our producers, one of our farm families, hey, we're long on this. We have extra inventory of this. So we put those things on sale, but you're not going to know about it unless you go to ranchfreshmeats.com and sign up for the weekly newsletter. The views and opinions expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect those of Crawford Broadcasting, the station, management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station.